Good evening, everyone. Welcome to season two, episode six of the Table Talk podcast. We are officially live. We have a very important topic for you today. Uh, but before we introduce the topic and before I introduce the guests, I'm going to introduce the co-hosts of this show. Starting off to the right of me, we have little sis Sada Thabit in the building. Uh, also to the right of me, we have big sis Abid Thabit in the building. Of course, you got myself, Omar Thabit. And then the guests we have for today, first of all, is Salah Hedwan. Uh, the city of Hamtramck definitely knows my man, Sal Hedwan. Uh, Sal is a uh, emergency uh, nurse uh, in the emergency room, RN. Uh, for the emergency room, he's also the president of the Hamtramck Public Schools Board. Um, he's in the building today, and we are looking forward to having him uh, share information uh, about our topic today, which is about treating mental health illnesses. Uh, what is it like when someone checks themselves in? Um, so, you know, we have two guests, though. We have Sal Hedwan. He's here today. And then we also have Dr. Shadi Shabah as well, who is a psychiatrist and medical director. And basically today, he will be coming in later on in the show, about 45 minutes, um, because he's obviously at work and he'll be coming in. So right now in the beginning of the show, Sal will kind of be discussing what is it like if someone were to check themselves in uh, at a hospital. And he'll kind of talk about that process um, leading up to that as well. Uh, some of the things that he experiences uh, being at a, being in an emergency room, RN, uh, so all that stuff, Sal will be here talking about that today. And then Dr. Shadi Shabah will kind of be talking about, you know, the afterwards of, of how to, you know, how he checks in with his patients, how he keeps up with his patients, uh, those that check themselves in for mental illnesses. So that's kind of what the topic is today. We're going to be covering that basis today. So looking forward to that. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our pages on YouTube. It's Oz Media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, Motivate Me 313 app on Spotify podcast under Oz Media if you want to listen to the show later. And if you want to call in, please feel free to call in. I got my phone here with me. Uh, we are more than welcome to share these uh, conversations together through a phone call. The number is 313-306-1750. Again, the number is 313-306-1750. Feel free to call in. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this topic. Uh, you know, this is a topic that is much needed in the community. And, you know, that's, that's going to be one of the first questions I asked Sal. And I'm sure he's going to agree with it. And, and all the co-hosts are going to agree with this. You know, so call in, share your thoughts, share what you have to say. Uh, before we even get to the topic, last thing, I want to give a shout out, of course, to the sponsors. we got the Balkan House, Handling International Academy, Kahwa House, and BC Adhesives, Ramsey. So if you are ready to roll, Big Rams, can you start us off with BC Adhesives? Uh, make sure it is also in the right, uh, maybe just on B, you know, um, QB, the QB, the whole category. It's on B, the letter B, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to play. Uh, yeah, but make sure it's on section B, Ramsey, section B. You know, you know what I'm saying? Section B, bank A, bank B. All right, I got you. No, don't, don't press anything, Ramsey. Shout out to BC Adhesives. You can go to BC Adhesives for all your industrial adhesives needs. They do food packaging, book binding, product assembly, and many other industrial services. If you are in need of adhesives for your business or having trouble with your current adhesives applications, you can contact them by phone, 1-888-679-9825, or go on their website, www.bcadhesives.com. Location is 4655 Oakwood Park, Franklin, Wisconsin. Shout out to BC Adhesives. I was actually there this past weekend. I uh, got a chance to finally see the amazing place of BC Adhesives, so we appreciate them over there celebrating uh, Matt Cassidy's wedding this weekend. So congratulations to Matt and Sarah. With that said, 
let's get to show on the road. First of all, y'all okay over here, uh, big sis and little sis? I do want to add that I'm happy that we're spending a whole month on mental health. Yeah. That was a good that was a good choice. Yeah, because it's topics that we need to have, right? It's topics 100%. that we need to have and you know, we we've gotten great people. So I want to give a shout out to Dr. Najat and uh and MM Dr. Hakeem as well. Uh they came in here. They kind of talked about suicide. It was more so focused on suicide, suicide prevention prevention. Now we're going to dig deep into like I said, checking in. You know, there's something going on. What do we do? What happens? And then what's the aftermath of it as well? So with that said, first of all, Sal, I know I kind of formally introduced you, but if you want to introduce yourself a little bit better, tell a little bit about yourself and also make sure, you know, if you can't speak into that mic, because obviously people can hear you a lot better when you do that. So you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, first off, I just wanted to thank you guys for having me. Um, I wanted to talk about mental health and the process of going through finding help and the options and ways you can get it. Um, I've been practicing now going on nine years and uh, most majority of it was in the emergency room. Um, so I've seen a lot of mental health crises come in over my years, and I can help you know guide people to seek the treatment that they need and tell them the options that they have before thinking that there is no way to get out of it or feeling that nothing can be done to help them in their case. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to say if you want to tell them maybe even more so about the things that you do, even, you know, being with the board and stuff oh. like that, community member. Yeah, I just wanted people to introduce yourself because I know we're going to dig deep into the mental uh, mental health stuff so, as well. Okay. So uh, I live in Hamtramck, Michigan. I, I went to school in Hamtramck, uh, graduated from Hamtramck High School. Uh, class of 08. Class of 08, <laughs> yes. What is it, 08, don't hate? 08, don't hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, after that, I went and uh, pursued a degree in nursing, and uh, I graduated and uh, passed my state boards and started practicing. Uh, at the same time, I was asked if I was interested to become a board member and went and did an interview and was ultimately uh, appointed the position until the election time. Um, I really loved it because... You know, I know now that you can actually make some changes and differences for the students, you know, to get the best that they can. Um, I've been doing it for about going on eight years now, and um, I really do enjoy it because, you know, the community needs somebody. They need a voice, and, you know, especially when they are newcomers and they are lost and, and need guidance, you know, they have to feel like they can find somebody to communicate with or to understand their situations. Someone that has a voice for them. Yes. For sure, for sure. And that's what Sal definitely is. And this is why, uh, you know, I, I actually seen, you recently posted something about mental health on social media and, you know, you got a lot of great feedback on it. And this is the stuff that you do, man. I, you stand for uh, the community. You you want to talk about discussions. You're willing to have those uncomfortable conversations so that people can grow. We can move forward as a community. And that's why I respect it. And, you know, I've always told Sal, any topic you want, we'd love to have you on. And he mentioned mental health. I was like, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. And so this is something that I know you are passionate about as well. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned this as well. So, you know, y'all ready? Y'all ready to get this going? We're going to get this going. So... First and foremost, you know, let's start it off with the basic question of why do you feel it's important for our community to talk 
about mental health or have a conversation about mental health for our community? So I feel like it is important, especially for our community, um, the, minor the minorities and uh, the Muslim community to understand that mental health is a serious issue and um, we have to stop looking at it as a stigma. You know, we have to understand that there is help. Uh, I know a lot of people think, you know, this should stay an internal house affair and they seek other kinds of ways of trying to resolve issues. And, you know, while I understand, you know, having a sheikh or a mom or somebody come into your house and try to help resolve these issues, sometimes that's not enough because it's deeper. It's more in, you know, in the head, in their head. Um, and you need to get treatment for that in order to get better and have a better outcome in life. Uh, you know, you, you can't go by every day feeling like you're lost. There's no hope for you. Nothing is going to change. You know, nobody should have to feel depressed. Nobody should have to have ex extreme anxiety because they think it's a stigma and that, you know, it's shameful if you go and seek, you know, the attention that you really need. And there's a lot of, you know, options out there on how you can do that. Yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on this situation? So remember that one Snapchat of Shayma sending, she sent to us with her like bawling and saying she, we have to listen to this podcast, the Digital Sisterhood. Uh, yeah. Her name is Henna. So I actually listened to it, and um, just from that podcast alone, like I was bawling my eyes out, eyes out too. I, so, I still won't. I still wouldn't. Um, you, you should. To it, it really was. It really was a good one. So like in our community, we have a lot of um, you know of our older women. When they come, in, they came into America. They had no one. You know what I'm saying? They're literally just following their husband. They don't have the language. They have kids, and their kids are in school, and they're lost. And, it, and now it's a lot better. But imagine, like back in the day when there wasn't that much people. So in this podcast, this girl's explaining the life of her her mom because and her mom committed suicide, by the way. Just like to fast forward that, yeah. but um, just what she went through because they were from they went they lived in Abu Dhabi. They came to America. You know, it took her a minute to adjust. She didn't come with her husband. Her husband stayed. Um, he didn't get a visa. So I don't know what the situation was, but he stayed. And um, just her coping, like some days she was on a high and she was happy and she was actually talking to people. Other days she was at home, just avoiding everyone, just, you know, keeping everything inside. Um, a lot of they went to a bunch of shiuch. They read Quran on her like it still wasn't really working or whatever. Her kids, they were a very loving family. It wasn't like they just like they didn't, you know, care for her or whatever. Um, it got to the point where they finally did have an appointment um, at the doctor, but it took so long. And this is from Canada, by the way. It's not in from America, but it was in Canada. Anyways, it took so long. Finally, when she had her appointment, it was like a five-minute discussion and like, here, take these pills. Okay. You know? So, and then she, I guess she, it, it did, like, it helped her. So she was six months, she was good. And then her pills ran out. Long story short, she ended up jumping off of a building. And um, she didn't die from that, believe it or not. She was in intensive care, and then she had an infection, and then that's when she passed away. Mm. But, like, just the heartbreak and, like, she obviously she, it was an hour and a half long podcast, and I said it in, like, literally two minutes. But just the idea of, like, it, 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 it's real. You know what I'm saying? And we, we've avoided it for so long. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of our, you know, mothers, grandmothers, they went through a lot. Even us for today, like, the, the pressures that we have, it's like there is help. 
we should we shouldn't avoid it. We should notice the different um, signs, and we should get help if it's there. So I'm really, um, honestly, I'm really open. Like I'm happy to hear from you and and what people can do and and kind of what what do you need to do to to get the help that you need. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I just want to mention this again. Maybe I didn't explain it too well. I got I want to re- reiterate it. So like I said, we have Sal Hedwan, who is an RN, uh, emergency room RN. He's going to kind of talk about, you know, the first half. It's like, imagine the show's going to be broken down in two halves. The first half, we got Sal Hedwan. He's going to be talking about what is it like in an emergency room when somebody pretty much uh, admit themselves in there and, 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 and turn themselves pretty much into the hospital and, and say that I need help. And then we have Dr. Shadi Shabak going to be coming in later, and he's going to be talking about, you know, what happens afterwards pretty much once you afterwards you admit yourself and you know, you, you, so that's kind of how the show's gonna be broken down. This might be like an hour and a half show. I could already tell it's gonna be pretty much that long because it's gonna be broken down pretty much into two different shows. So, Sada, what are your thoughts now on on, on what was just said right now so far? Um, I actually had a question. Did she ex- did she did the daughter actually like figure out um like did had was there any signs from before that she noticed or was yeah she was staying up all all day. Uh, I'm sorry, all night and sleeping during the day. And then the last um, situation, she actually went to her boss to tell him, like, hey, I'm noticing a lot, you know, with my mom. I'm going to have to take some days off to spend time with her. Mm-hmm. And that same day, she gets a call that her mother jumped off the building. And then yeah. it was just like a, it was, it was a lot of, you just need to, you need to, it was, it was a process. Yeah, so there's a lot of signs that people should notice. Um for example, sleeping during the day or avoiding family members, you know, stopping their activities that they normally do, um, you know, stop showing up for work. They can present with sometimes being a very happy person um, and and it looks like nothing's wrong, but, you know, inside they can be suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health can present itself in many different ways. But this, this, there's signs when you notice that, you know, something might be going on, you know, it's okay to reach out and be like, hey, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's something going on, you know, would you like to talk? Because sometimes some people would benefit from just a phone call or somebody reaching out, mm-hmm. even if it, you know, might be uncomfortable, it can help, it can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to dig in into how you can go about getting services real fast. Yes. So in a situation where someone needs help dealing with a mental health issue, I guess what are their options? And then also what's the process like once they are admitted to a hospital? So go ahead. You can get into that now. Okay. So there's the option of calling the hotline, the prevention hotline. They can help guide you to getting the services you need. Um, They can you know, send help to come pick you up if that's, you know, what you choose. You can call them just to talk about things and express your feelings. You know, you can just always reach out to them when you're feeling any kind of depression or anxiety or you just need somebody to talk to. They're available. Um, and, and who's on the other side of that phone, by the way? Is it, is it a professional or a, is it just... It's a professional. Okay. Yeah. It's a... Uh, they're certified, you know to handle mental health issues. So if that's not an option that people choose, there's also a couple of other options. One, if the person has expressed that they need help and are willing to go and get some treatment, your best route would be to go to the emergency room. So it's called a voluntary admission. 
for a psychiatric eval, that means that you came in and you're seeking the help. So when you do that, the first thing that happens is you come in, you get registered, and then you see a triage nurse. The triage nurse will assess you, um, and depending on what you say or what's you know going on, how you're presenting, um, there's a questionnaire. It's called the CSSSR, CSSRS, and basically that's the Columbia Suicide Screen. Um, it consists of about six questions, mm-hmm. and it tells you, you know, things like, have you been feeling depressed, or have you had thoughts of, you know, going to sleep and hoping you never wake up? Um, it, it asks you, have you ever planned or made any attempts to end your life? So you can answer to yes or no to these questions, right? If you answer yes to any of them, you uh, go on a um, suicide risk level, basically, and so you can go from low to high. So when that's done, uh, you are taken back to the hospital where they, you know, handle mental health patients. You will have a nurse there usually. Um, then they'll come in and reassess you and and see have a conversation with you. From that point, you you know you have to change. You just have to, you know, follow the rules and change and do what's what what they're asking you to do. Um, then you get the social worker. Uh, the social worker will come in and assess the patient, see what's going on, and see what the options are, and can recommend uh, inpatient or uh, admission or outpatient admission. Um, if you express that you're truly suicidal and you need help and, and you're there because, you know, you, this is their last resort, you will probably get admitted into a hospital. It, can't, it might not be the same emergency room hospital that you went to, but they will find you somewhere to go. So the second option is, let's say you notice a family member is, you know, having a manic episode where something's wrong and you're trying to tell them, hey, let's go to the emergency room, let's go get help, and they still refuse. If they become a danger to you or others or to their self, you are able to call emergency services 911. They will come to your house and they will de-escalate what the situation is and they're gonna ask if you guys wanna take them to the hospital. At that point, you have every right to say yes and you can petition the person to go to the hospital. So a petition is a legal document that you fill out saying that this is what's going on, this is what I've observed, and this is, you know, my contact information, and I am signing this as a legal document saying that I want to petition so-and-so. So the cops will take the patient, the family member or friend or whoever, to the emergency room. You're going to follow with them. And at the emergency room, you will get that petition. They will hand you a petition. Um, petition is very important because it basically um, makes the, the individual be evaluated for up to 72 hours inside the emergency room. So once you petition them, you'll be asked more questions by the social worker again, and the doctors will come in and talk to you again. Um, and then... If the patient is manic or if he is still, you know, trying to hurt himself at the time or, you know, we have to use medication sometimes to get the patient to relax so we can 
help him get treatment. Um, after that, you are, we start giving you medications to help with whatever symptoms is, depending on what your symptoms is and what kind of mental health crisis you're going through. The medications uh, can differ. Yeah. Do, can people, like, deny the medication or... So... Especially when they're in that state. Like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, are they... Like, what's the... What's the what's, so how's if, that work? If they're in a manic or, uh, you know, having a severe episode... And we, somebody already petitioned them. And somebody already petitioned them and they are, like, a, a danger to you or the staff or whoever, then we give them the medication even if they don't want it. Yeah. Because at that point, you know, we need to do something to calm help them, them down. calm them yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so what is that? I'm sorry to cut you off in the middle, but what does that medicine like do to the body? So, for example, a lot of times we use something called Ativan. Okay. So Ativan will help um, basically work in your brain to, you know, bring you down to calm you, relax you. And um, there's also Zyprexa, which you can give IM the same thing it will you know de-escalate you from going and trying to attempt to hurt people it, it's it works in many ways in the brain mm -hmm. and in the, in the body but it's not a negative effect you know it's it's a short-term option to try to you know de-escalate the situation okay yeah all right so th that's a lot that's a lot to unpack what are you about to say go ahead Sarah. Are you um, for or against um, medication for mental health patients? So I am for medication for mental health patients. So once you get admitted, they will start you on a regime of medications. Um, it is going to be kind of experimental to see which one is going to work best for you. Mm -hmm. So you start, what people need to understand is when you're, starting mental health medications it takes up to two to three weeks for the effects to start mm. so if you're admitted in an inpatient you know psychiatric unit you might be there for two to three weeks up to a month you know so the medication can take effect mm. um go ahead. you can now you can finish and i'll ask my other so i'm i am for it because i've seen it with my own eyes many many times people who come in and have a mental health crisis um they come to either seek treatment or family or friends petition them to come in and get this treatment. And, you know, they come in, it's heartbreaking because they feel like there's no reason, no, you know, death is the only option and, and they just want to die. They express, you know, their thoughts and, and it, you know, it's very sad because they don't think there's any way out of it. There's no help out there. There's nothing that anybody can do no matter what you tell them. And nobody cares probably. And so. then nobody cares. When in reality, you know, you everybody has family and, you know, suicide is not the way to do. You can get treated and you will feel better. I've seen people walk out, you know, and they have to follow up with um, a psychiatrist, you know, depending on what the psychiatrist recommends. It could be every two weeks, a month, every two months. So, for example, they would go to Dr. Chad Ichebek yeah. and... Uh, he would continue to make sure that they're on their medication, just the medication, add medication, whatever needs to be done to keep you in your mood, you know, at a good baseline. Yeah. So this is like almost like a, a two-part 
question right here is, you know, if you were to, so someone admit themselves to the hospital, okay, uh, and, and then let's say you finally have a conversation with them saying, like, why, why did you wait this long? What took you so long? What are some of the responses that you get from those patients? Like, because yes. I want people to hear it because this is what, this is what people are, you know, dealing with, man, and and and, and it's sad. But it's the reality, and this is the, some of the answers because I really was interested in hearing this. Yeah, so I just wanted to say, like, mental health occurs in many, you know, under many conditions. People can be absolutely fine and then go manic, not just because they're what people consider, you know, possessed or, something. Possessed or crazy. It's because it could be life-changing events that make you depressed and you know such a death of a family member it could be you know losing a loved one whatever it, there's many things that can happen to bring somebody to a breaking point mm. you know stress at work is a big thing a lot of companies do offer like mental health resources um you know then you have sometimes you know certain medications can induce you know psychosis you know there's a lot of reasons people end up experiencing mental health crises so you know i've seen and i've dealt with people who come in and you know they have it seems like they don't they they, they believe they have no more soul and they're ready to go because that is the only way out you know mm. they've tried to get treatment they says you know they went to the church and you know they went to their doctors you, and they just stop trying to get any more help because they feel like it is over and the only way out of it is death, which you have to, you know, know that there is support and help out there. But one of the best ways to go, even with the hospital system being so saturated, we take mental health seriously. concerns seriously. Mm -hmm. um, we go by a, basically a something called the ESI level, which determines how serious the patient is medically or not medically like mental health and if you're a mental health patient you you fall under the second category which is it's a it's emergent basically so you mm. you are priority for the mental health team that's in the er okay um what was your other question yeah, I guess it would be just some of their responses. Like, because I, I was wondering if they say, like, you know, I thought I have nobody to talk to, or you know, this and this happened, and it changed my life, you know, uh, stuff like lost that. All this money. Yeah, I lost yeah, this money. So, <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of people. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that they gambled all their money, mm -hmm. and there's no way out of it. They put their family into debt, and uh, there's people who've come in and just don't want to talk. So you have to. Tr to talk to them as an individual you know you have to reach out and dig deeper to build a relationship with the patient yeah. so you know you have to hear them out let them express their concerns people come in and you know sometimes they would say um you know everybody's against me the government is out to get me it's things that have built up in their heads that are not there they can have auditory hallucinations or visual hallucinations or you know voices that are commanding them to do things and you know sometimes people come in and be like you know they're telling me just to you know kill everybody or 
hurt kill myself and you have to tell them like you know can you elaborate and they'll tell you and you ask them are you hearing any voices what are the voices telling you and people have expressed that voices are telling them to do many things you know yeah um at that point that by the point that they come to the emergency room they think it's too late there's no no option out there and they're in in their thought in their head it's Nobody's gonna stop me from what I want to do. Yeah, you know. So knowing that they're in that state of mind, you just need to listen and you need to communicate with them and you need to tell them you're there to help them, which we are there to help you. Um, we want you to get the services that you need. To you will become better. You will feel better. You know. Um, I've had people in the community who've reached out because of certain mental health crises is going on in their family. Um, I advise them, to, you know, to go to the emergency room or to reach out to other options. But they felt it's not the best route to go because it's kind of, you know, like I said, a stigma. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want anybody to talk about their kid or about their husband or about their wife. And they wanted some other kind of way to resolve it. But you need to reach you need to go and get the treatment you know medication has come a long way you know medicine is amazing uh research has been done for hundreds of years and you know there is a way out of it and it's not suicide i have a question oh, no, yeah. okay so with with someone just having like um just depression, just having like not thoughts of suicide, but just depression. Like my my, I don't know, I could be wrong or whatever. So I always think like I don't think pills would 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 be good for that person because then they get used to it and then they they can't kind of find a way to cope with it. Um, in that situation, do you, like, do you recommend therapy more than that, or are pills like when it's to the point where it's suicide and they're in the hospital? Like, you know. I always think that when you take pills, you get used to it, and then then you can't even you can't even regulate and cope with your body by yourself anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, let me add on that too, and that's I was going to ask before when I was bringing up the medication. Also, a lot of the antidepressants or and like for anxiety, a lot of the um, side effects side effects are um, depression or thoughts suicide. of suicide. Yeah. yeah, and I just think that's so ironic. Yeah. So that's why you would be um, treated with certain medications to see which ones are working for you. Okay. You know, there's different class of medications. And, you know, honestly, they're not addictive to where you're going to build an addiction, yeah. but they are important because you cannot stop these medications. That's when, you know, the thoughts of suicide and all that occurs is when somebody abruptly stops taking their medication. Mm. It's very important to continue the medication, you know, until your doctor, your psychiatrist thinks maybe we can lower the dose or, you know, we can stop this pill or, you know, you have to, when that does, when it is, that is the situation where, you know, you might be taken off a of medication, you cannot just stop taking it from that day. You have to continue taking it and lower, lower the dose, dose mm -hmm. for a couple weeks and then you're good to go. So do you recommend talking to a psychiatrist at the same time? Yeah, so 
once you get admitted from their emergency room, because the emergency room, we have to medically clear you first. So we do blood work, you know, we address any of their medical problems as well. So if you're having chest pain or abdominal pain, we make sure we address all of that until they're cleared medically where everything is good. Then that's when the psychiatrist, uh, the social worker and the psychiatrist will step in and do their evaluations. Mm -hmm. So once you're admitted, you will be seeing a psychiatrist. You're gonna be assigned a psychiatrist. That psychiatrist will determine your plan of care. Once you're admitted, they reevaluate the situation with you in a group with many members, such as, you know, um, the nurses and you have social workers there and you have uh, other people who have multiple resources that they can provide and give input in. Uh, the doctor, the psychiatrist will come in and, you know, you'll have a seat and then they'll check your progress. How are you feeling and what's going on? Some, you know, sometimes the patient will say, you know, I still feel, you know, suicidal. I still am depressed even with the medication. Nothing's working. I told you guys nothing would work. Mm. So then that's where they say, okay, you know, we're going to keep you here a little longer and reevaluate you again. As the weeks go, you know, Patients do express that they feel better, you know, they're happier, and if everybody, the staff, the nurses, and the nurses, techs, and aides, and the social worker, and, you know, the therapy that happens while you're there, you know, you have to take some classes, and mm. uh, if they all feel like, you know, yes, he is ready, that, or she is ready to go, then your doctor will... Uh, ask you to follow up with him and you have to follow up with your doctor yeah yeah after the hospital it's, it's usually within a week or two your, your first visit um there's also something called a cert a cert is a legal document saying that you are not allowed you you would not be allowed to leave until you're deemed you know ready to go mm -hmm. so it's basically saying you know Legally, you can say you want to go, but if you're determined you're not ready to go, you have to stay or, you know, you would have to go to court, basically. Wow. Yeah. So. I just feel like a lot of people in the community would rather just take a pill than go through, go to therapy. You need, you know, you, you, you need to at least follow up with your psychiatrist. Okay. Mm. Sometimes it might be a nurse practitioner that you see that specializes in psychiatry. Um, following up is important just because, you know, you can tell them if something's changing or if you're starting to feel a certain way. Um, they will recommend you to go to maybe speak with a therapist. That's up to you. It's very, you know, highly recommended you do so. Um, but, you know, going the medication route and visiting your psychiatrist is the best route, you know. People sometimes come in and say, you know, I don't have insurance, so I right. didn't know what to do. I mean, why, I don't want to get a big bill for being here. By law, regardless of if you have insurance or not, you will be treated the same as anybody else. So if you have insurance or if you don't have insurance and you're worried about it because you don't have insurance, you can still go and get the help you need in the emergency room, um, they will still treat you as a person and not 
um, based on the fact that you have insurance or not. You understand? Yeah. And and I guess first of all, uh, you want to put the headset on, Dr. Shadi. Uh, Shadi Shabak is in the building today. Uh, he just joined us right now. Salam alaikum. Uh, yep, Ramsey, you could r pull that back. You don't have to really turn it too much. Just pull it back too, Rams. Oh, okay. Yep. Good. Perfect. See, this is why we needed that TV right here. We can see everybody now. Welcome. Uh, thank you for showing up. Of course, uh, my pleasure. Yes, thank you. And I'll, I'll, you know, the best way to speak is speak probably, right into yep, the mic. Speak right into yep. the mic because they'll be able to hear you. You can move that around however way you want to, as long as it's comfortable for you. All right. And and so uh, today, like we said, the topics about mental mental health, mental illnesses that people go through. Uh, we have Dr. Shadi Shabak as well. Now he is here with us. Um, Dr. Shadi, basically, he is a psychiatrist, uh, medical director. I'm sure there's plenty of titles that he has, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll dive deep into that. Uh, first of all, welcome, Dr. Shadi. You want to just mention, uh, why do you feel it's important to address mental health issues within our community? I think it's always important to address um, mental health, serious mental health issues, um, both clinically, but also psychologically, spiritually, um, in a wholesome approach. Um, the reason in, in our specific community, Arab American and Muslim community, we know that religion and spirituality play a big role in being protective factors. It's we it gets a bad rap that oh we should you know religion is not the end all be all spirituality and it might not be the end all be all to good mental health. Um, people can be can do their prayers, can fast, can believe in God, and still go through periods of depression and anxiety. But we shouldn't forget that that does also play a role, that spirituality is an important aspect to mental health. So I think our community is very unique in that perspective, mm -hmm. that it is a faith-based community at the end of the day, and it is a cultural community as well. Our culture also promotes things like families, um, social gatherings, community. Where does that lead to a problem, though, in our community? Is if you don't belong to, a, a, if you have a dysfunctional family, mm -hmm. yeah. then you're kind of left out. Or if you don't belong to uh, a set, religious institution what, or what have you, then you feel left out. Or if you just don't fit in in general, because the collective approach or the family approach or the community, the communal approach that we have can be helpful unless you're not part of that, mm. right? So those are the people that we need to really look into and, and, and try to help, um, help them in any way we can um, and not let them be forgotten because we should be a community. But again, some people might not belong or might not feel like they belong. And that's th those are the ones that are the biggest crisis or the biggest um, that have the biggest uh, problems regarding mental health. So I'm going to give you guys a scenario. OK, uh, let's say I am an Arabic father uh, and I say mental health, it's all in your head. You know, go and read the Quran and you're going to be fine. You know, don't worry about it. Just go read the Quran or go pray, go salli, a couple of ads, go pray. And you're going to be okay. Your response to that is what? My response is we have to figure out where the father's coming from. Why is the father saying that? And what cultural background does the father come from or the parents come from? Instead of saying, father, you're wrong. You're dumb. You don't know. You don't understand the mental health. You don't understand psychiatry. You don't understand social work. You don't understand any of that. That's not going to lead to change. Right, because the father or the mother or the family or the elders are going to have some say in in your life. Mm. So I think sometimes we take the wrong, the activist approach, of you guys are all backwards and we need to be, we have to have hadara, we have to be civilized, we have to be modern, we have to be this. That's not going to lead to no change, because they're just going to ignore you and they're going to say well, this guy's looking, this guy's being um, 
pretentious and they're being takabbur. We don't like that. Yeah. Mm. I don't like that. I'm mm. born here and I, I can't stand when someone comes and tells me, oh, you're backwards or you mm. have backwards thoughts or what have you. So instead of doing that, it's to talk to the father from the level of the father, understand where the father comes from, mm. the hurdles that they had to face because many of our parents had to face a lot of hurdles. Yep. And they did it without a lot of help. So we have to understand their mentality before we tell them, well, you're wrong and this is silly. And of course, you have to believe in mental health. No, this, you, you can't come at it like that. You have to come at it from an aspect of honor, to honor the father so that the father can then become respectful of you as me as a provider, mm. to start respecting me and understand that I'm speaking his or her language um, before I can even make any change with their, the way they're approaching their kids. Because in our culture, in general, we come from an honor and shame based culture, mm. okay? And the West, with the exception of a few uh, pockets, comes from a culture of dignity and guilt. So honor and shame is an external moral compass. So meaning we are always looking to the outside to see how we should behave. That's not a bad thing. Mm. It's not a good thing. It's a neutral thing. While in the West, it's do you, be you, and we're looking at an internal moral compass to drive our behavior, which could also be a good or bad thing, depending on which way you take it. So it's all me, whatever I want to do, I'm going to do, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. While with us, it's I do care what people think, and I'm going to kind of try to act in conformity with what people think. So that's where the father's coming from. Their kid might be assimilating or acculturating into more of a dignity guilt culture. Right. So you have to speak a language that bridges the two rather than divides the two and tells them you're wrong, you're right, or you're wrong and you're right. You have to speak Finding a language. The root. You have to find the root, and you have to speak. They have. They're speaking two different languages. Hmm. We can both be speaking Arabic or English, but the cultural connotation of our language could be very different. Oh yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, when whenever you hear fathers say that, or maybe not even just fathers, people our age kind of say the same thing. So, so, what are your thoughts? So my thoughts are um, when it comes to, you know, fathers or mothers or anybody of any kind of cultural background. Um, I feel like they are assimilating to what they believe and what they are uh, know. You know, we have a problem in our communities where we're not providing education regarding mental health awareness. You know, if we can educate the families and the parents, maybe, you know, they would be willing to seek alternative routes. Um, it starts with, you know, bringing awareness. First and foremost, you know, the families have to know, you know, hey, it can be this or it can be that. This is what mental health is and, and just, you know, have a talk with maybe the community members and people might start to, you know, understand and seek help appropriately, you know, depending on the situation. For sure. Uh, do you guys have any comments? Yeah, so I have a comment. Yeah. So in that case, would you suggest the father and the child or the mother and the, or whoever the, the family like um, meeting together and having a session it depends what the issue is yeah because again not everything needs a professional so 100%. we have parents we have and i i know that this is like weird i'm supposed to be like everyone come see the clinic and come <laughs> see the social worker and stuff i want to make sure that we know that we have good we have a good culture we have mm -hmm. a good background mm -hmm. we have good protective factors the problem is is sometimes that gets forgotten when we come to a new country so there's a process called acculturation yeah. where we're going from one hadara to another, one culture to another. There's a host culture and a home culture. And our fam our parents generally come from a home culture. They come from somewhere else and they're trying to integrate into the system. We, if we were born here or if we came here young, we're in the process of actually, we're in between two things. There's a tug of war and that's the core problem in the community is the youth and the young people and people even my age 
are in the middle of a tug of war. We're being pulled in two different directions. And that's that tension of acculturation. And it's a good tension because it builds strong character. But if you get lost in that tug of war and it gets pulled and you get snapped in the middle, that's where the problem is. So we can either assimilate, which is just we forget our home culture completely. We don't want to do that. We don't, no. And now is assimilation, can it be healthy from a mental health perspective? It could be healthy. Yeah, you just assimilate and you tinsa everything and you just adapt a new culture completely. And you just assimilate and you move out and khalas. Obviously, for me, I'm biased against that because I love where we come from. I love our, our history and hadara and everything like that. You can become marginalized where you forget both. You hate the home culture and you hate the host culture. And that happens a lot with refugees. They come with a bad taste in their mouth from the homeland. Mm. Not immigrants, refugees. They come with a bad taste in their mouth from their homeland. And then they have a bad taste here because they're thrown in South Dakota or something like that in the Random. middle of nowhere. My wife was one of them. It's from Iraq. Um... And so they become kind of like, they have a bad taste in both. So they hate both. That's marginalized. Okay. Then you can separate, which is like what my grandmother did, where she came here to Dearborn, went and lived on the East End, and just lived her life like the same way she was living overseas. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's healthy for her because she was like 60 or something, right? It could yeah. work in the South End too because there's <laughs> enough people. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. healthy for someone maybe like yeah. in the older age. Yeah. But it wouldn't, we don't want that for someone who's 20, yeah. right? That wouldn't be healthy. And then there's... Um, um, integrate where you keep aspects of the home culture and you also adopt aspects of the host culture for example you keep aspects of honor and shame for example with my kids they know like no we are from this family we go back to this route we uh, we come from this country we have these certain things that we want to present ourselves in a good way at school because we don't want people to look down on us because if people look down on us then that's going to be a bad thing but at the same sense um for, when I go to work, for example, I'm much more dignity, guilt-oriented, meaning if I don't want to do something and I'm, in, I'm surrounded by people not from my culture, I'm able to speak my mind. Mm. So when I'm with maybe Arab or with my wife or something, I might do more of the honor stuff where I don't speak directly, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, mm -hmm. um, I, I speak indirectly to make sure that they get my message without me having to say it. But when I'm with people maybe at work or in a corporate setting, then no, I'm more direct, and that's more dignity and guilt. So that's called integration. That's You took aspects of this and aspects of this. Because imagine you speak in the terms of how we speak. Like someone will ask you, can you cover my shift uh, over the weekend? You know, the Arabic answer would be like, you know, well, I'm a little busy, but if you really need me to, I can. I don't want to, you know, don't take it the wrong way, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you're stuck doing the shift. Yeah. Because they don't understand, they don't mm -hmm. get the indirect communication. Yeah. Well, if you just said no, it's fine. So you have to learn that balance. And I'm giving these, like, they're silly examples, but they're, I think they oh, have home. Oh, they're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they definitely have home. And and uh, I just want to say this because I'm paying attention to the time. So, Sal, I know he has to leave within the next couple minutes. Yeah, uh, so I just want to let you know, Sal, any final comments you want to say, like a final message that you want to tell the people out there about mental health and, and just checking themselves in or, 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 you know, things like that? Yeah, so I'm going to share something personal. Um, you know, because I feel like, you know, maybe it would help somebody else, okay? So, around 2018, you know, I had a mental health crisis. Um, I was, you know, at a point where I just wanted to sleep all day and didn't want to do anything. The only thing that I would do is go to work because I know I needed to support my family still. Um, I would go to work, come home sleep, not talk to anybody, not eat. Um, it got bad, you know, it got really bad to a point where, you know, people at work are like, hey, man, you know, 
you need some help, man. Something's not right. And, and I kept just telling you, know, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, at work, I would be happy and, and take care of the patients like they, like I needed to. Um, as time progressed, um, I waited too long. So one of my coworkers took me to uh, her primary care doctor, and he told me what's going on. And I told him what's going on. And after... You know our conversation with my primary care doctor he's like okay so here's your here's what's gonna happen you know i need you to go to an emergency room i've called multiple ones and this one accepted you to go and help get you know get you some treatment he told me it's either you go out um willingly or i will have you escorted there mm. so i went willingly because one the co-worker that brought me she said she you know i'll take him you know i'll i'll go with him so you know, I got there, got to the emergency room, did the process that I've talked to you guys about. Um, if I didn't do that, I don't know where I would be today. Oh. You know, I I thought all hope was lost. I thought there's no point in living. You know, I, I had kids, you know, I had my babies. And, you know, the only thing that kept me going was that, that I don't want to do something to where my kids would be without a dad, you know? Um, so I ended up getting, you know, the treatment that I, that, that I know, I've known, like, you can get help, but like I said, with the whole stigma thing, uh, it took, a, I, I waited too long to get to, to help, okay? You know, it's, uh, it's hard to share because, you know, mm. it's, something personal and now I'm better you know I don't know if you realize like a couple of years ago in 2018 I, w I don't talk to nobody I stopped showing up to everything I did what is expected of me with the school board and with work but you know I had no feelings like the social life social life I stopped talking to anybody and everybody um didn't go out with anybody and uh, they tried to call and then you know I won't answer, I put my phone on like do not disturb and never left it off of do not disturb and it was hard but after getting the treatment, you know, I'm doing a lot better, you know, I, alhamdulillah, I, I feel normal again, I, uh, I'm happy, you know, I'm back to what I feel like is myself, I, you know, there is help out there and just you know coming from me personally you know it's it's an option for you guys to do it should be an option for anybody to to pursue you know you know my family was uh, supportive throughout it um and uh after i was discharged i you know am following up with uh my psychiatrist every you know month or two um but i do see a nurse practitioner at this office that I go to, um, but, you know, I go there and they ask, you know, if anything's changed, you know, what's going on, and I just say, you know, I'm fine, I feel happy, and basically, you know, they make sure that check your vitals and, and just following up with you. You know, if something happens before your appointment, you know, you can call them and be like, hey, I think I need to be seen for whatever reason. So, you know, what I want to say is, you know, if you notice something's wrong, please 
you know, for the sake of your family or friends or whoever, if you see these kind of things where they're not talking to you and they stop doing things they love and and only thing that, you know, you know is that they just are not talking to you, you know, reach out or if that's not working, you know, seek medical attention, you know, care. Because, you know, you can try all the spiritual care and sometimes it's just not enough. Okay? So... Um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, very, very uh, important, and I think it's very impactful. You know, someone in your stature who has a lot of respect and, um, you know, has a lot of connections, and for you to share this is important because it can be anybody, right? It can be anybody. Um, so um, thank you, Sal. Thank you for your time. I know you said you have to go to work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish... He knew the round of applause thing because I'll definitely <laughs> tell him to give him a round of applause. But I'm serious, man. Sal, I really do appreciate it. Um, I, I really do hope that, you know, your message can get across. And uh, the stuff that you do is very important. And, you know, we're very glad that, you know, you are still here. Um, like your old self, too. That's important, too, right? You know, you could be here, but, you know, mentally you probably won't be here. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, thank you for sharing that. I don't know if you guys have any Inshallah, it's only up from here. Yeah, Inshallah, man. Seriously, thank you so much, Sal. And uh, like I said, we're gonna. Uh, I don't know if you want to share any comments or, <laughs> as a professional, you know, anything you want to just mention about how important it is for people to also, you know, share of their course, stories. Absolutely. Well, share their stories. They have to be comfortable sharing their stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The problem sometimes is we pressure people to share their stories. It's not your story to tell. So just leave people alone. So I think it's very nice that you feel comfortable and you shared it in a good way. And in a way that's uplifting, because you don't want everyone to share their stories. Right? Yeah. There's certain people that are psychotic. You don't really want that story shared, or mm -hmm. or family's personal, very personal affairs if they don't they don't want to. That's you know sometimes we do that. Sometimes people are pushy, especially on social media. That's mm -hmm. like they don't really care. They yeah. just, they're just nosy, right? Mm -hmm. But I think if it comes from the heart and it helps people, then absolutely. Yeah. For absolutely. sure. Thank you so much. No, for sure. And Sal is that guy. Like I said, his uh, his his his. Actions speak louder than his words, Absolutely. man. Uh, so thank you again, Sal. I really do appreciate it, man. And and that's kind of what my next question was. And by the way, you are more than welcome anytime you'd like uh, if you want to. But my next question, and I know we kind of talked about this, uh, Dr. Shadi, is, you know, there's a lot of information out. Like mental health is more being talked about more than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago, right? Uh, but misinformation and, and people saying, uh, he, you know, didn't turn in his homework. He got yelled at by his teacher. I have mental health issues or I have depression now or I have anxiety now, you know, uh, it's going around. Like if you talk to somebody, people are diagnosing themselves. Like I have anxiety or I have ADHD or stuff like that. Why is that a big red flag? Like, why is it very dangerous with all the misinformation it's going on? It's not even missing. Unfortunately, even some of the uh, medical associations are putting out this nonsense that, all kids need to be checked constantly for mental health. There needs to be constant seminars on mental health in schools. And then they bring people from just a certain specific cultural mindset to speak about it that just kind of inc is encouraging these behaviors in a way. Mm. And on top of that, you got TikTok and you got all these types of social media where there's you could look up people cutting. You could look up people mutilating themselves. You could look up people doing terrible things. 
And then that's, there's something called social contagion. So just like a virus or a bacteria or something can be contagious, behaviors can be, 100% they can be contagious. Mm. That's not even something we used to learn about. It. I don't know if they still teach it anymore because they, the people have seemed to forgot about that. You know, the more, sometimes the more you, you, you do something in a way that's not culturally appropriate for the people you're presenting it to, the more problems you're going to face from it. So I think everything is in moderation. So yes, we do need to talk about mental health. But it needs to be done in a moderate way. It can't just be constantly every mosque, every school, every seminar, every, every, every all the time, all the time. And that's why when I go or give these talks about mental health, I kind of take a very antagonistic approach to it. It's not because I don't care. It's because I think that sometimes it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's a little bit too much. Mm. Um, and like I said, some of the associations are even like talking about how we need to increase mental health in schools and it's like guys i mean the students they need to learn how to read write math they have to learn how to also develop their character we can't tell someone who's we can't do these seminars for 10 year olds or seven year olds or what have you or people in high school all the time we should do a little bit but not not where it becomes part of the curriculum all the time that's all they're hearing why why because i think eventually it, it starts to become it has to, it starts to take on a different a pro, it starts to take, take on a life of its own and people will start doing exactly what you said. They'll start mm -hmm. using it as an excuse. They'll start using it as a self-diagnosis. They'll start using it as a way to get out of doing certain things. They'll start using it to take days off of school. Do some people need days off? Yes. But those are the people that have for serious issues. It cannot just be an excuse that we just throw around where, where it's exponentially increased now um, all over. I mean, the amount of people that I come get to, to write them letters is crazy. Just to, just not to use the word crazy, I, I didn't mean it in a derogatory way. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, the amount of people that come just want letters for um, taking an absorb, uh, exorbitant amount of days off because, like you said, maybe they didn't turn in an assignment. That shouldn't be, that, that, that's not always, we have to really actually, if someone comes with that, I actually put them through an entire intake process and screen them thoroughly for mental health before I do that because I don't like to lie. Right. And... If, if, if it's not there, it's not there. So sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. We have to also be careful of the social pressures that are kind of pushing it. I think when it comes to a school, especially with younger students, instead of a, like talking about mental health, um, doing activities that will help, like uh, breathing techniques, um, yoga, or you know what I'm saying? Just things that they can do to like, if you do see an anxious child or you know, you're about before you take a test, you know, stuff like that. Instead of saying, hey, this is mental health. If you're feeling this, 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 because then they'll start in their mind, be like, oh, I, I do feel this. And they don't know what it is actually. You know what I'm saying? And no, and it's really important for people to differentiate between a bad day or, a, you know, mm -hmm. you're feeling sad today. You're not, you're not like, I know I have a couple of people like that. I know my friends or whatever, whatever, they'll be like, oh, yesterday I was depressed. Like, you can't be depressed for one day. You probably had a sad day or a bad day. Depression is an actual, you know, it's a diagnosis of a mental illness. It's a pathology. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't like when people do that. Yeah, I think it's, there's, again, w with kids and people in high school stuff, we need to be building character, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes people have anxiety, and that can be resolved through physical exercise. Yeah. These are indirect ways that really promote mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish I could take my advice and go on a walk every day, right? I mean, but these things do make you feel better. They do, right? Nature. When I work out, I feel a lot better. I don't do it much, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but those are indirect ways to really improve mental health. And, of course, once it becomes pathological, yeah. that's a problem. Now you need to go see a physician. And maybe even before that, maybe, maybe as it's becoming pathological, go see someone. Like when you're really just feeling down all the time, you're sleeping either way too much or way too little. These are, start, these are the first signs, right? Your energy just feels 
a little off, but more than just for a few days, it's like weeks. Now you need to go see someone because there may be something underlying that can be treated early and effectively, right? Yeah. And another thing that we have to understand is the amount of people that have access to marijuana, mm -hmm. which is very psychoactive. I, I mean, I'll say that anyway. I know that some people don't like to hear that because it's just an herb or whatever, but it's, yeah, it's, so what if it's just an herb? So many people have access to this at a very young age, and 16, 17, 18-year-olds are using it at more higher frequency in the last couple of years, especially as it became legalized, um, that it's disrupting the brain connection between your limbic system and your prefrontal cortex, which is basically your limbic system is in charge of your emotions, mm. and your prefrontal cortex is in charge of taking those emotions and putting them into action, so executive function. That connection is not built in your adolescence. That, that, that takes until your late 20s, early 30s to be complete. And marijuana and substances can disrupt that. Wow. As can pornography, as can many other things. It can disrupt that connection because you're giving limbic, too much limbic activity, and so that's not really being controlled as well by the executive part of the brain. So that's another problem. There's a lot of things that people are getting into at a younger and younger age. Like I said, drug use, um, and inappropriate, uh, like, you know, they're going on pornography websites and things like that at a very young age. I've had patients as young as nine and 10 on those sites. Yeah. So parents do have a role to play. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So I know you want to head out. You want to say anything, final words, just saying goodbyes and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I just want to let the community know, you know, you can reach me. I'm always available for you. Um, you can reach me through Facebook, you know, messenger, snapchat whatever you can call or text me you know um i'm here to help you and i can help guide you guys you know if need be to the appropriate you know resources that i that's offered out there uh i just hope that you know families and and people you know can understand that you know you don't have to feel that way you uh you know it will get better if you can find, you know, the strength to, you know, basically admit that you need help yourself, you know. If you can't find that, you know, your family can seek out somebody to come help you out, okay. I just, if you need any information or if you need to reach out to somebody to see how to get to the services, you know, feel free to reach out to me and contact me and uh, everything will be um confidential so, so nobody will should feel that you know i i might say something i won't you know because i know how serious these things are in our community all right thank, thank you, you guys so. for having me i appreciate it man and you could just drop the headset anywhere right. over there and with that said i'll read off a, a sponsor while he uh goes out because our second sponsor today is the balkan house restaurant um the balkan house is famous for their donut kebab sandwich uh, you know, but did you know that the Balkan House now serves breakfast? Did you also know that all their food is 100% halal? The Balkan House now also has two food trucks, so you can book your party or event with the Balkan House restaurant. So if you're looking for a nice place to eat with friendly service and great prices, look no further than the Balkan House restaurant. They have a Hamtramck location. They also have a Ferndale location. And like I mentioned, they also now have two food trucks. Feel free to call them, 313-262-6234. Shout out to the Balkan House. Uh, shout out to Kahwa House, shout out to BC Adhesive, shout out to Hanley. Those are our four sponsors. 
Uh, can you grab a water bottle uh, for uh, Dr. Shadi? I know uh, he's going to be talking, and water usually helps in these situations as well. Um, speaking of reaching out, so of course, obviously, you got Dr. Shadi here. Uh, like uh, Salah had once said, um, you can reach out to him. We have Amanda Jakowski, who is a Hamtramck content member. She seen the post and messaged me. And she mentioned that if there are women out there uh, that are struggling, uh, they can also reach out to a wonderful lady, a lady. Her name is Dr. Anya Awad. And you can reach out to her on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, she has a link tree as well. And basically a lot of other places, you know, you can reach out to her as well. You know, you can email her. Um, I could post uh, stuff as well. Her Twitter. Again, Dr. Rania Awad. That's her name. Shout out to uh, Mrs. Uh, Joukowsky Council. Councilwoman Jakowski, she uh, definitely shared that information because she thought it was very important. And any woman that feel like they want to speak to a lady, Dr. Rania Awad is the lady. Uh, she is a Michigan native but currently lives in California. And she also has lectures online, too, that you can listen to and watch for your convenience as well to learn a little bit more about mental health um, and things like that. Uh, with that said, my next question to you is, I guess, what are some things people can in ways people can treat their illnesses, maybe medically or spiritually or, um, you know, I guess any, any way naturally. What are some recommendations, I guess, you would give somebody to treat their illness? First thing is, I think, uh, prevention, number one. So mm -hmm. if there's things that we know can lead to problems, let's try to prevent them at the source. Someone who's in their 20s, probably they've already done a whole bunch of things, right? But with our kids, we can at least try to teach them right from wrong at a very young age. Be and I'm not saying right and wrong always causes mental health. No, because someone could be on the right path and then have a psychotic break. That, that's very common as well. But I'm saying, I'm talking about, let's say, let's start with prevention. So prevention, teaching our kids in the home. Home is the best way to teach, is the best place to teach these things, right? You're, you cannot depend on just a school or... Uh, seminars or mosques or whatever the home the home is the number one the first place the family in the home outside of that if you've gone into, gotten into trouble um, to be a support for that person instead of bashing them right away mm -hmm. so if someone did get into drug use or some bad habits or what have you not to come with a firm iron you know mallet or something right you want to come at them from a place of love and brotherlyhood and, uh, and, 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 and try to guide them to the place of help Okay, so let's say the prevention didn't work, then the friends come in and the family comes in and, and tries to help. Now that's not always the, that doesn't always happen. The third thing is early detection, as I was talking about. So we have someone who's starting to show signs of mood disturbances, and they're kind of a little bit more than just one bad day. It's like two, three bad days in a row, and then a few good days, and then they go back into it, and then it becomes more than three. Then it becomes four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bad days. Right now we have a, a mood issue at, at our hands. Then you go to the, your physician, your primary care doctor, let them know and see if they can either refer you out or start treatment. The treatments are usually going to be medications. Um, if it's depression, it's going to be like your SSRIs, which are like Zoloft, Prozac, these different very common medications that we use. But if it's bizarreness, so if someone starts to exhibit bizarre behavior, they're not taking showers, they're become very disorganized, mm. they're starting to do very badly in school suddenly and really badly, and they're starting to isolate. Now you have to start thinking, is this something more serious than depression? Is this something like a psychosis? Is this a schizophrenia? Is this a bipolar disorder? Um, and that always requires some type of medication. There isn't really a natural remedy for schizophrenia and bipolar. There's just prevention. Like, like I said, marijuana can make that uh, the risk higher. 
uh, drug use can make the risk higher, but some people don't do any of that, and they, they, they get it. And so those are the cases where they're going to need some real medications like antipsychotics and mood stabilizer and things like that. The biggest question I get asked is, are these medications for life? And the answer, unfortunately, is always, I don't know. We'll see. Because <laughs> sometimes you might need it for life, and sometimes it could be just a brief episode that goes away after good treatment. So um, not every not every time you go for treatment, that means you're going to be on those medications for life. That's something that people really want to know and want to hear. Um, and then after that, if, if, and, then, and then when to see a psychiatrist versus your primary care, I feel like most people go to their primary care doctor first. And if that doesn't, if the primary care can't handle it, then they'll refer to a psychiatrist and what have you. Now, what are some natural treatments or what have you? Therapy, things like therapy. Um, you have to really be careful with the therapy you choose. You want to make sure it's someone who really understands our values. I can say uh, your culture, the religion, like right. someone that can understand. Because a lot of the times when you go to a therapist and they don't understand your religion, it's like they don't, they'll look at you like you're crazy and give you other advice that would kind of push you away sometimes from your religion. Right, and it depends. If, if you're a religious person, mm -hmm. you, you have to even be, you, you have to choose a therapist that matches you. It mm -hmm. can't be even just because someone wears a hijab or, or not. I'm saying if, if you're not religious and you want to choose someone that's not religious as well, that's fine. But if you are and you want to choose someone that's kind of like at least truly understands you, so you have to be, you have to find a good fit depending on where you are at with your culture. Where are you at with your culture? Not just religion, with culture in general. Mm -hmm. So the fit has to be good. You have to have a good fit with someone, right? It can't just be uh, just because they look like you or whatever that, that means they're going to be a good fit. They may someone who may not look like you may be a better fit. So it depends. It, it always depends. Sorry, you were going to say something. Oh, go ahead. oh okay. Um, so it depends on 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 the person. So you got to make sure you find a correct fit. Yeah. And it's hard because like there's a lot of therapists, but they're all they all charge cash usually. They don't really have take insurance. Mm -hmm. I think we're, our office is one of the few that takes Medicaid, for example. Um, so that's always also like there's it's problematic because there's not a lot of choices out there. Yeah. Um, and going through the community mental health is the community mental health uh, clinics, um, CMHs. Those are huge wait lists and it's almost like uh, some people have told me it feels like an assembly line sometimes. So yeah. you want to be, it is hard. It's not always, <laughs> there's not always an easy choice for you, but therapy is helpful. I think um, obviously keeping a good schedule no matter what. So like if someone is manic or um, or depressed, still trying to stick to a schedule as much as possible because a schedule and a set rhythm can get you out of something quicker than if you don't have one. So if you just live a disorganized life, you're going to be the disorders is going to make you more disorganized. Yeah. Trying to keep some type of boundaries for yourself. So trying to keep that ego healthy. Because the problem with some of these disorders, especially schizophrenia, is that the ego is shrinking and all of a sudden you don't have a sense of self. Mm. So trying to maintain that sense of self as much as possible. But that doesn't come by itself. You have to have the medications to be able to even recognize that you have a problem sometimes. No, that's a that's a great point. Because, um, you know, me personally, at least for myself, I feel like uh, to keep my mind busy, I got to keep busy. You know, and just because when you're not, when I don't keep my mind busy, you tend to wander off and... So it's like that's a little thing that works for me, even for myself in terms of, you know, keeping myself busy so that I'm not because I'm one of those people that I, I just got to do something eventually. You know, I just can't sit around and do anything like just do nothing. So, you know, keeping my mind busy is definitely something and always having something to do. You kind of forget about anything realistically. Right. Like, you know, if somebody's going through an issue 
you know, doing something else, getting your mind off of that is a big step forward. Right, right. You know? Um, and sometimes also one of the advices I give, especially if someone doesn't have severe, severe issues, is solitude. Once a week, having like 10 minutes to yourself. Solitude. For a recharge. Right, recharge. Absolutely. And um, kind of just to also assess your week to hold yourself accountable for the week, the good decisions you've made that week, the bad decisions you've made for the week. I usually say split it up into five minutes of like um, like a muhasabe for five minutes mm. in that 10-minute time. So five minutes of just kind of just thinking of Reflecting. the week. Reflecting. Yeah, looking at the week, how it's been, um, what you did good, what you did bad, and how you want the, fo- the following week to look like. And then the second five minutes is to come sit in just complete silence and allow that stuff to absorb, mm. to kind of recharge the brain recharge yourself and it's it's a, it's it, it's kind of like a spiritual experience it's just, it's it's alone time with just you mm. um that's very important and people who have done that have made big strides oh. that, that i've done that with that i've showed them how to do that or taught told them to do that or not told them uh, asked that they do this mm. right um that solitude is very important but it has to be it can't be solitude where you just sit and just like kind of drool and just like no you gotta <laughs> like it has to be with a f- purpose so before you go into that solitude I'm going to do this because I want to reflect, to think about the week and think about the future week. And then I want five minutes for myself to in order, in order to absorb that information. And then, so do it with an intention. And that's very helpful. Um, you mentioned a lot of ways. I know you're big on faith. How can faith, I know, so, that, you know, people feel like, you know, it can almost push people away because it's not working. And they're like, oh my God, now they're panicking. You know, at least my for myself, I believe, you know, with the right faith and, and you really believing in it, that it can guide you in any kind of problem, any kind of storm that you may be going through. Uh, but, you know, I kind of can see the other side where it might not, you know, initially and then they kind of panic because they're like, oh, my God, you know, I, I went to this and it didn't work. So I guess why do you feel faith is can help? someone through their mental illness as well so i have a complicated relationship with faith it's not that that clear cut for me i mean okay. I've, I've gone through a lot of thinking and, and and all that so i don't want to come out here and pretend that i i've made my fair share of mistakes and all that so mm-hmm. no but i do think that spiritual the spiritual and the faith allows you to have a connection i feel like biology is the connection to your body mm. okay psychology is connection to yourself all right sociology is the connection to society and spirituality is connection to everything else to the other, the stuff that we don't see. And I think all four are just as real hmm. to one another. Um, and so if you're neglecting one of those things purposefully, it's going to lead to some type of na'as, some kind of uh, feeling of uh, emptiness in some aspect of you. Some people will argue and just believe in just, just whatever is material and all that, but I don't. And I think that if you only do that, you're going to be missing a whole part of yourself that wants to be connected to the other, something else. Um and so it comes from that. I, I don't believe in keeping areas in our lives empty. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have to be a stringent and and mean, and, you know, always like just, you know, if someone doesn't pray, you don't talk to them. And mm. someone that, no, that's not faith. That, that's not mm. what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm talking about that you want to be always curious and pondering and trying to act with pure intentions and goodness. That's what I mean by that spirituality and that faith is to always be, um, in that childlike state of wonderment. And because that childlike state is so important that we forget about it. I always say, what's the difference between a child and a wise man? So the child is a fool, and the wise man is wise. What's the difference, though? 
So when the child comes home from school, what are they worried about? What's there to eat? Yeah. yeah. What's on TV? Yeah. When a 30-year-old person comes home, what are they worried about? Bills <laughs> and Mashaad Shu and this and the Life. world and saving the world and all this stuff. that Having we, purpose. Right, all that stuff that we all deal with, right? Because we're all in our probably mm-hmm. yeah. late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> I'm late 30s. Um, I look 40. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's from the stress. <laughs> um, but then the wise man comes home and what is he worried about? What's there to eat? Because he has gone through the experience of what he can control and what he cannot control. Mm-hmm. And he has come to the terms of becoming back to a childlike state. But why is he wise that the child's a fool? Because the child didn't, doesn't have... The experience. The child was acting on instinct. Mm. The, the wise man is acting on intuition that's built upon a life of struggle. But the intuition and instinct often are very similar. Wow. So that's what I mean. Like when I talk about spiritual, that's what I mean. Like the, the, that going back to that, trying to find that inner child again and trying to always be curious and excited about learning something and being excited about life and this and that. Obviously, there's a lot of blocks to it. Like I said, we have stress, we have bills, we have all the stuff that blocks that from coming out. But every once in a while, you'll get a twinkle of it. Whenever you sit and have nostalgia, whenever you think of your grandmother, whenever you think of uh, something from a long time ago, whenever you're hurt, like let's say you fall and hurt your knee and you start crying, you're immediately transported back to childhood. That's the inner child. It's, It's dying to come out. It wants to come out. But we don't let it, and so, and maybe we don't need to let it out too early. But at least keep that in mind that that that's an important aspect of who we are. That innocence, that that fitra, that we have to always um, keep in the back of our head. You know, when I think about um, like religion in that aspect, I we all we 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 will all get overwhelmed. There will be things that we can't Absolutely. control, and um, just knowing that you can let it, like you have to work it in Allah, like that He will. Um, get you through it. You know what I'm saying? If it, and, and whatever is meant for you will be for you. So, you know, we get very anxious about, you know, making sure that we work or making sure that we have enough money for the bills and just all these worries and, and just understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, um, like, you know, you can die tomorrow, you yeah. know, and that you have to trust in Allah's plan and just do your best. Like, I feel like in that aspect, that's when it helps me with my, you know, stresses or whatever, just having that in the back of my mind. And what's yours will never pass you. And sometimes you have to, you have to put it in, in your head of what you want as well. Because sometimes we want things. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm not talking. I want a new couch and blah blah. But we want certain goals for our life. I want. Mm-hmm. We want a good family. We want a good this one. That it's okay to have that thought and try to allow it to become a reality. And if it's meant, not only if it's meant for, if it's good for you, mm-hmm. if it's good for you, I I, I don't think, I don't think so, anything's gonna block it. Right. Right. So whatever's good for you is gonna happen. But sometimes you have to put that initiative to get it. But if you don't get it after putting initiative, then maybe that wasn't for you. Right. Yeah. And understanding that instead yeah. of getting depressed about it or, you right. know. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a difference between social depressants, right? I mean, like right now, I'm very stressed. I had a very stressful day at work. I have a million things I have to worry about. I have a bunch of documents I got to sign. Like, we're under a lot of stress right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a social stressor. Um, but then I could also be where I, I just I want to say I also have OCD. I do. I have clinical OCD. Um, so for me, that wasn't really a social, it gets worse during social stressors, but I've always had that since I was a kid. So that's like, that's, a, I'm saying there's biological causes and then there's social causes. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at. 
So what exactly uh, does your clinic and yourself do uh, whenever there's a patient? Like, can you give us like a quick rundown of what also, exactly? Also, like, what do you guys offer? Yeah. Right, right. yeah. So at the clinic, um, we do the medical care. It's me and uh, a couple, a, a nurse practitioner and two PAs that we work on the medical side and have an RN as well. That we so if a new patient comes in, they usually see the RN first, and then they come back and see us so that we'd sign off on that and make sure that all the documentation is correct and everything. So an intake process, it's two day process, two appointments. So the first appointment is with the nurse, second appointment is with one of the providers. We diagnose if there's a diagnosis to be done. We figure out what testing we need to do. Like if someone's coming in for ADHD, for example, we'll do we'll recommend psychological testing, which we do there as well. Um, and we formulate a treatment plan. We also have several therapists, social workers, and psychologists at the clinic that do either testing, therapy, group therapy, substance abuse therapy, and things like that. So we treat mental illness and substance abuse. And then we also do treatment-resistant depression. So there's depression that doesn't respond to medications. So someone could be on a couple medications throughout the course of their depression, didn't respond at all. So we have two programs. We have uh, uh, nasal spray, esketamine it's called, that we do in the in office. It's covered by like insurances. And then we also do transmagnetic stimulation, which is uh, we use it's a magnetic coil that uh, kind of targets a certain area of the brain to, for depression. Those are both FDA approved treatments for treatment resistant right. depression. So we do both of those there. The TMS is with uh, is a partnership with uh, a TMS company called Greenbrook. Um, and then we have play therapy. We have uh, air hockey and ping pong and different pool and all that stuff for kids who want to do play therapy with one of our psychologists. Um, so we cover a lot of things. The problem I think is right now it's a little overwhelming because there's so many people that are needing the help. Mm. Um, and staff, it's hard to hire a lot of people in this economy right now. Um, so it's getting a little overwhelming. So sometimes people get upset that there's like a couple months waiting list. We try our hardest to get people in as soon as possible, but sometimes we can't. So, uh, I just hope people can <laughs> bear with us mm -hmm. just for, especially right now in the winter time. Not for sure. <laughs> yeah, do you do you see a spike? During yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, is, this is our busy busy time. Right yeah, now. it's Start. because the holidays. Even like us, like I feel like because we can't really go out. Like it's like there's there's a lot. It gets darker earlier. Oh well, yeah, November is gets you very know? dark. Know, the holidays are cool and fun, but the weeks before the holidays are always hell because yeah. people are traveling. Yeah. So then all of a sudden they all need to come in that week. Um, so definitely, I would say like from now till about March, April is a very busy time for it. And so, the seasonal affective issues too. The seasons, the season does affect your mental. Mm. I'm telling you, everything's connected. Like, yeah, I, I'm That's telling you, the true. nature, material world, spirit, everything's connected. Like, no, I love when you broke yeah. that down. I thought that made a lot of sense. Yeah. And the, the sun, the sun's connected. I mean, it's subhanallah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. And I guess my next question would be advice. You know, um, we're already at that part where we're starting to give advice now. So, what advice would you give someone? you know, going through a mental health issue or mental illness or may think that they're going through a mental health issue or mental illness, like what advice would you give them? You know, if somebody is watching right now and they're listening, like what advice would you give them? If you feel like you're going through something serious, um, seek help ASAP. Uh, there's no reason to hold off. Uh, I mean, contact us. We always have like uh, not just me i'm to any hospital like you could go to the er if it's that serious if there's suicidal thoughts if you're hearing voices seeing things don't wait at all if you're feeling a little down and under the weather need to see someone then contact your primary care doctor or contact the local clinic that you trust um and get get seen um but i would say 
in all of that, don't forget. Sounds corny, but don't forget like who you are, where you're from, your culture, your adat. Don't forget that. That's this this that's that's gonna be a that's a big problem when you forget that. Khalas, everything's gone. So always keep some type of link between you and who you are. Mm-hmm. So and that comes from that solitude. Comes from you sitting down once a week and just kind of thinking about yourself and getting back in touch with yourself, because our world right now is very different than couple hundred years ago where it was all internal it was all you lived on the land you worked on the land you were always outside you were always connected to self and others now we all live in our little boxes Mm. um the modern world is not meant for our biology we're very similar to how we were a couple hundred years ago but Mm -hmm. our environment changes drastically so always try to find that time to reconnect with yourself because it's very hard to connect with yourself when all of our work is so external we're getting praised on what we do externally we get paid for what we do externally. We get um, followers and likes and all mm-hmm. that stuff from external behavior that we've n- start to we've learned to neglect internal happiness as well. And that's um, a big problem in the modern world is that we have neglected internal peace, not because we want to, but it's because of the way the world is. So we have to always find time throughout the week and throughout the day to have that internal peace. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Uh, round of applause. Oh. Gonna give you. Uh, next time you come on the show, we'll be ready to give you the real round of applause. I promise okay, you this that. This is his first time. <laughs> yeah, this is his first time. This is my so. nephew Ramsey. Shout out to Ramsey from the Movement Podcast mm-hmm. as well. We appreciate him for being here today and helping out a little bit. Uh, anybody want to ask him anything uh, before we do the final words and stuff? Any final questions, comments, concerns? Thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. know. It means a lot when people say thank you, for real. No, seriously, <laughs> no, thank you. You're saving, literally saving lives. I hope so. You know, yeah. So, Where is your office located? You know what? I was like, like, how am I going to get here, right? Like, yeah. like, like I'm going to get here so late and stuff. And so I put in my navigation. It took me three minutes, four minutes to get here. Wow. Nice. Wow. I did it, I'm on Pelham. <laughs> nice. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I had no idea. I'm in that big, uh, uh, it's like a tan building. Okay. All right. Got to fix that. So, so we, we're gonna have to get you on more shows. Then, inshallah, I didn't know it was that close. <laughs> I was like, I like trying to rush out and stuff, and I'm like, wait, I'm already here. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. I'm sorry. Literally, I think uh, less than a mile. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, do you offer? Let's say you know how in the beginning you were talking about bridging the gap of the parents' era and the child's era, and all that. we're teachers, so like that's why I got a lot of questions with that. But um, do you have? You, you, I know you mentioned group therapy. Do you have family therapy? We do offer family therapy. I don't usually do the family therapy. Um, I don't do much therapy. I'll be honest with you, me personally. What I do is in my med managements, if I see someone that's kind of like has that interest, I'll throw those things into that that 15-minute session. But I have the therapist to do therapy. I do have a very small caseload of therapy patients because I don't want to forget how to – I like therapy and I like like Jungian psychology and all that stuff. So I do have a caseload of about four or five patients that I do therapy with on a regular basis, but it's not something I, I mean, I just promoted it right now, but yeah. it's not something I, like it's something that kind of like I, it's, it's kind of, that I'm kind of set for therapy for now. So okay. once I finish these, then I'll have opening for another couple. But basically because most of the day I'm spending it with med management because of the serious cases we have. So yeah. I see a lot of patients a day. Yeah. yeah, we just got somebody saying that they're going to call you now and uh, book you. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, first of all, thank you uh, for everything. Uh, 
thank you to uh, Dr. Mostahuba as well. Uh, he's the one, uh, you know, I reached out to him, see if he can get me connected, and he got me with Dr. Shadi. So I uh, got to give him a shout-out as well. And I want to just quickly, before we give you the final word, just want to quickly mention, again, if you want to subscribe to our pages, Oz Media YouTube. You can watch this later if you missed it live. Facebook and Instagram is Motivate Me 313 You can listen to it later on Apple and Spotify Podcast if you don't want to watch it and just listen under Oz Media. So those are the ways you can subscribe and follow. Um, this is Dr. Shadi. He is here. Uh, final word, any final thing we may have missed on our part that you want to make sure that you share? No, I think we covered a lot of things. I'm very impressed by the setup. Yeah. What got you to do this podcast? Um, honestly, uh, it was... So we've been doing sports for like six years oh, okay. now. So we've been doing sports, and then once COVID hit, we wanted to motivate. Um, nice. And so that's kind of what, what got us started was kind of, you know, my, my, my quote was uh, ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things. So I was just interviewing ordinary people, sharing their stories. And we figured we got the sports show. We got those motivational right. topics. Might as well put them all under one, which is Oz Media. And so we kind of have a couple shows now Very nice. under Good. that. So. And Very nice. every show has been like a therapy session, literally. <laughs> yeah. And like... Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Honestly, I've learned so much. Oh, thank yeah, thank no, for sure. Inshallah. Where do you guys teach? First grade, and he's PE. Where at? Uh, in in Tramac. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Hanley International in, Academy. In, Shout in, out to him. Um, I'm a caseworker at Access. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, we share a lot of patients. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doctor Salman is there. Yeah. Yeah, a very nice guy. Yeah. He's true. Yeah. So, um, thank you, uh, Doctor Shadi. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we really do, and and he kind of mentioned already how to. You know, did you mention the name of the of the place that you work at? If people uh, did, of course, Ike. Okay, I, okay. I don't want this to be commercial because I no. feel bad. No, 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 it's fine. Not. Honestly, you're here. You it's know. no Corsike. It's Corsike on Pelham and Outer Drive. Uh, nice. Um, we have two locations: Livonia and uh, Dearborn. Um, then, just if you just, uh, I could give you the number. Yeah, you want to share the yeah, number? Yeah, three one three seven two two four six eight three. There you go. Do Thank you um, go to the Livonia one as well? Yeah, I go to both. Okay. Yeah, Livonia, I go once a month. I have someone there for me there other days, and then I'm usually in Dearborn. Um, so do you take inpatients, or do you usually get, like, referrals from the hospital? Or yeah, I take. we get a lot of patients from the community that call uh, Downriver, Dearborn, Dearborn Heights. Um, I do. I, I, I am currently at um, in the inpatient unit at Garden City Hospital, so I could admit people there. Uh, if someone's having a true crisis, mm-hmm. I admit them directly to, to the inpatient unit. Um. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, thank you for those that tuned in or will eventually watch. Feel free uh, to uh, comment, like, subscribe, you know, like we mentioned earlier. And uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation that we had. Uh, we know we did. We know we definitely learned some a few things from this whole conversation. Uh, and the goal is to have these conversations so that we can grow as a community. Uh, and then hopefully we can get Dr. Shadi to come back for another show. doesn't necessarily have to be about mental mental health. So, Thank you. We hope you enjoy. We'll be back next week. We'll be painting. So we'll be painting. We got a couple artists coming on. We like to switch it up, you know? Very nice. Yeah, so, you know, definitely do that. Painting is therapeutic, by the way. It is. Uh, So we'll do that, inshallah, next week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Have a great rest of your day.